Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5. This is Lesson 29, and uh, we're in Term 4. We're going to begin uh, in Chapter 19. Uh, it's page 8 on my book, or in my book. Um, hopefully it's the same in yours. We're going to begin about halfway down. We looked at the, us being the salt of the earth, remember the physical land, and now we're going to look at us being the light of the world. All right, and uh, let me just read some comments here and introduce this. As important as salt is, when it comes to light, it is crucial to human existence. With Jesus going on to say in Matthew chapter 5, in verses 14 through 16, he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, Nor do they light a lamp and habitually put it under a basket, but put on, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, notice again, returning to verse 14, that Jesus says emphatically that you are the light of the world. And this family is both figurative and literal. Um, because a lot of people just think of it as a figurative statement, but it is a literal statement, and I'll give you all the scriptures. I think you guys know this from the last time we did this, but uh, for the sake of those that are just listening to the life of Christ, I'm just going to go through this, because we do have that happening right now. Um, first from Matthew chapter 13 and verse 43. Jesus himself says there, I'm on page 9, he says in Matthew 13, 43, Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. I just want to stop there and think about this. You know, your existence in the future is not just going to be boring. <laughs> okay, You are literally going to shine forth in that time when you're with the father, when you're in heaven. And, he's, and I love that he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, this is the, you know... <laughs> I have a new revelation. I just messed a lot of things that I was thinking of before. So I'm going to give that to you today because what I'm going to get to today, uh, one of the statements I made, I don't know if it's correct anymore. So let's go through and I'll tell you what it is when we get to it. How about that? That might be a better way of doing it. All right. This is a literal application of the verse, even though this event is in our future. I'm talking about Matthew 13, 43. However, that doesn't mean that we should, we should dismiss it from the present either, especially since Jesus did pray in Matthew 6, 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And since Jesus said in Matthew 13, 43, that this is a part of kingdom life, and here in Matthew 6, 10, he prayed, your kingdom come, your, your will be done, especially on earth as it is in heaven, then we cannot dismiss this aspect of our heavenly blessing to be enjoyed here on this earth. Amen? And see, this is one of the things that we, we need to be careful that we don't push everything off into the future and everything into that final age um, because there are some things that we need to do here and now. Amen? And I just feel like, especially since... You know, the, the way the system of the world is going is just getting darker and darker. I honestly believe that one of the things that's going to happen is that Christians that stand for what's right and that have their God in them is going to shine forth with that God, not just in good behavior, and we'll talk about that, but also literally. I think something is going to happen. Just like what happened to Jesus on the mountain. 
you know. Anyway, let's continue. As to how this is possible, there are two specific examples we need to consider. First, in Exodus 34, it says in verses 29 and 30, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with God. Okay, that him is God. Verse 30, So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. I'm praying that's what's going to happen with them evil people. When we start to shine, they go, ah! <laughs> okay, all right. Not that Aaron was evil. He wasn't the best. But anyway, uh, continuing on to verse 35, it goes in to say, And whether the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin, excuse me, whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, uh, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with them. So, you know, obviously, <laughs> this was obviously something physical. Amen? If you need a physical veil, it means you're physically shining. Uh, and uh, I know they, it went on to talk about, you know, in the nighttime as well, he was a bit of a problem because <laughs> he kept everybody up. <laughs> All right. So this shows us that we do have the ability to absorb, hold on to, and shine with God's glory. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute as well. Now, add to this the incident recorded in Matthew 17, where it says in verses 1 and 2, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Amen. So now we're seeing something in the present. Well, basically New Testament time, or the transition period, okay? While Jesus was here, this is what is so astonishing, that he operated under the Old Testament and did all the things that he did. That's why he said, greater works than these you will do. Remember that statement? Because I go to my Father. Because once the price is paid, you'll be living in a new covenant, which Hebrews says is a better covenant, built on better promises. Amen. So, you know, what's astonishing is that Jesus, everything that Jesus did, He actually did under the old covenant. And because He rebuked His disciples, it tells us that it was all available to anybody under the old covenant to be doing all of those things. Not because he was the son of God. See, this is what everybody throws that one off and says, oh, he did this because he was the son of God. But why, why should he then rebuke the disciples who are not born again, by the way? He hadn't died yet. Remember on, on, you know, on the boat, in the storm, going over to Gadara. No. <laughs> We're going to love that when we get there. We'll talk about it in a different ways, okay? Anyway, uh, he turns around and rebukes them. Which tells us that they were meant to be operating in that kind of power in the Old Testament. So what do you think we should be doing now? So much more than what they were doing back then. Amen? So Jesus basically came and said, This is how it was meant to be. What's coming is going to be even greater. And it was something very significant actually. When, and we'll talk about oh, so many things going on in me. We're going to talk about this when we get to it. Um, because he said, you need to be, uh, you need to have power from on high. Remember that? He said, go and tarry until the Holy Spirit comes. Without that power, you won't be able to do the things I'm going to ask you to do. 
there is a there's a great significance in that. So let, let's get get to that quickly because I want to get to that quickly. Okay, all right. <laughs> so this was in fact his true appearance, and why it said in Revelation one sixteen describing Jesus Christ that his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Boy, that's a good way of saying you know, it's more than you can manage. Amen. So here we see. The full extent of Matthew 6.10 where Jesus said again on earth as it is in heaven. Are you all with me? Amen? Now as for the body of Christ in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 and 27, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, referring to the church, with the washing of the water by the word, that is God's word, okay, both written and spoken. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Now remember glory is what illuminates all of heaven. Remember in Revelation 21.23. It tells us that, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So we're not just meant to be shining. What The reason we're going to be shining is because we are holy and without blemish. Do you understand that this doesn't mean that we're perfect? This means that we have learned how to confess our sin very quickly. Did you get that? And we have learned, maybe somebody in full life, finally got it. No, <laughs> no. I'm praying that all of you guys are getting this. You know, I keep talking to you about it because it is one of the keys to this glory. It's, you know, because if you can understand that, if you can begin to understand that God is not looking for perfect people because they don't exist. He's looking for people that will be quick to repent. Are you all with me? That won't justify any of their mistakes. That will just get on with it. And in doing so, whatever is lost is so minuscule that you, never, you don't even see it. You just move on and go from glory to glory. And one day that glory will be shining out to such a degree that people will start to see it. Amen. And therefore we'll be like this church without spot, without blemish. Amen. Not, again, not because we were perfect that week, but because we were so quick to repent that nothing could hang on us. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, the scripture talks about this. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is the statement I was waiting to get to. The scripture talks about a reinstatement of mankind to their original beauty and design. As God said in Genesis 1.26, Let us, and us means it's a plurality of God, make man in our image according to our likeness. And Psalm 8 verses 4 and 5 going on to describe this design by saying, What is man? that you are mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that you should visit him. For you have made him a little lower than... I've written the word Elohim there, because it says angels, and it's not the same word where it says, and you know, God said... You know, in the beginning... You know, when Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God is Elohim. Tell me an angel created all of that. I dare you. No. <laughs> okay? So, I, you know, it is the same word that is used here. And, you know, I just think people were just freaking out and couldn't write that down. Because this is what happens when you are, you know, a fallen mind is trying to comprehend this. Amen. In fact, I've got some great news. I'll, I'll share that with you in a moment. And so it, it really should read, For you have made him a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. In other words, the, the only difference between God and his creation was God was a creator, and man was his creation. Are you all with me? That was it. Now, <clears throat> I've said here, I've said uh, just before I read these verses, that scripture talks about a reinstatement of mankind to the original beauty and design. I was going to say status as well. But let me just say this. One of the things that I've realized, 
just in the last week, okay, uh, because of, uh, uh, who was here last Sunday? Okay, um, I, was, I was ministering kind of, I was ministering something that I discovered in John, First uh, John chapter 3, which was just tremendous. And uh, one of the main points was that we, everything that, you know, Jesus did was to, to get us back to Genesis 1.26. But then I had another revelation. You know, just when you think you got it all, something else comes along. <laughs> okay? And it occurred to me, as I was praying over it, as I was studying it, I suddenly begin to realize, you know, I thought, what? there's something else on top of everything I said to you going on here as well. And I thought, what is it that I'm still not seeing? Remember I told you I was just struggling with something because I thought, there is something huge here and I'm, I'm still missing it. And uh, as much as I thought I got it out on Sunday, there was more. So let me just briefly share it with you and then I will share it with you properly on Sunday because I'm just uh, setting it all out verse by verse, okay, so that you guys have all the verses to go with this. But just let me share this with you. God couldn't reinstate us back to the place we were. Do you know why? Because Satan was in that place now. Okay, we had a problem now. See, when, when, can I take a minute here? I know we're taking longer now, aren't we? I'm sorry, okay? But let me just share this with you. You're getting a preview of Sunday, by the way. Okay, uh, I realized something, that when God made man in His image after His likeness, what did He say? Let them have dominion over, and when you read it, it's over the natural realm. Can I just say that? But what happens is a spiritual being invades this natural realm. And so the fight that we are in now isn't a natural fight anymore, which is why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me say it a different way, because, see, we always look at it and go, yeah, we're not wrestling against our mother-in-laws and everything else, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And that's true. But there was a greater truth in that. Because if you read that whole portion of Scripture, he is talking, you know he wasn't talking about your mother-in-law when, you tell, when he said, put on the whole armor of God. When he said, <laughs> listen now, when he said, you know, you're up against principalities and powers and rulers, that ain't your mother-in-law. Okay, listen, if I could just restate it a little bit, you begin to understand something here, that he was saying, we are no longer in a battle for the natural. We are now in a fight in the spirit. Listen now, remember what Jesus said, wait until you receive power from on high. Because the power that you have now no longer is enough. Jesus came not just to restore us back to our original position. He had to restore, he had to literally take us beyond where we were. That's why in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, I believe, it says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in him. Okay? And that's why it's in Him that what happened was that God took us from this place. Again, you know, this, is, this tells us, and I was saying here that we were reinstated. We weren't. We were taken far above that place. Because we had to be what? Above principalities and powers. Because that's what it talks about in Ephesians. Right? And so in order for us to successfully battle this thing that we're up against, we had to be raised above it. So if we were just reinstated back to where we were, we'd be in trouble. Amen. Because we're not just dealing with the natural realm, we're dealing with a spiritual being as well. And you know, that was never meant to be something that we were actually meant to deal with on a long-term basis. 
You know, Adam and Eve were meant to say, get out. Because remember, he came in the form of a serpent. He didn't come as an angel of light. See, he didn't have that access. He could only use something in the natural. And God gave man dominion over everything in the natural. So at that point in time, they had everything that they needed to get rid of this thing. But they didn't. Are you with me? And because of that, something spiritual now comes in and starts to move. The spirit now invades the natural. That's why you have demon possession. You're getting this now, okay? And so, what, we ha- what had to happen was God had to actually lift us up above all of this and then give us weapons that we could use to come against all of those things, which we, part of it was the armor of God, needless to say, which we spent a lot of weeks on, okay? But the other thing was that we had to, we had to have a spiritual strength to us that would be able to counteract the spiritual opposition that was coming against us. I never understood the importance of being filled with the Spirit until this revelation came along. And I began to realize that that's what causes us to glow. The amount of time that we spend with God in the Spirit is what will cause us to start to shine forth with His power, with all of His Everything, I don't know, I've got too many words in my head. Okay, let's say everything. Okay, everything of God starts to shine out from us when we spend time with God and why that is important. Are you all with me? Amen? So, there's a bit of a a heads up for what's coming up on Sunday. Alright, and I think it was tremendous that God lifted us up beyond where we were and had to lift us up beyond that point in order for us to succeed and become more than conquerors overcomers in this life. Amen? Amen. All right, now that you have that revelation, let's move on, and every mistake I come to, you'll know. All right? Okay. So, <laughs> now, while there will always be, I'm back in, on page 10, while there will always be those who insist that all this is just figurative, there will be those who, be, oh yeah, I want more thing. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was making a point. I, I, there was one more thing I needed to add to this. The reason I shared all of that was to say this. That's why we would be able to do greater works. Do you understand? Because we'll be spiritually endowed like man was never in the past. Something was going to happen to us that would lift us up and allow us to do things more than what Jesus did on this earth. But not for people that didn't have the Spirit and operate in the Spirit. Which is why the denominationals have so much problems with this. Are you all with me? Because they approach it all on a natural realm. And you can't. Not the fight we're in now. Amen? So this is why we can do greater works because we are now seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of God. And we're working from that place even though our body is down here. We have a dual existence. Amen? And a dual citizenship. Okay, back to this. So, (laughs) that was the point. All right. Now, (laughs) let me reread this. Now, while... Uh, there will always be those who insist that all this is just figurative. There will, be tho- there will be those who believe that all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. And choose to walk in this light here on this earth. Okay. Just like they will one day in heaven. Hallelujah. What's more? For, uh, from what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.27, talking about the glorious church, we understand that the time is coming when an entire body of believers called the church will begin to walk in this light and will shine forth like the sun. 
And on that day, it will become very apparent which churches are truly of God and which are not. The glory itself will tell. Amen. Amen. Alright, returning to Matthew 5 and verse 14, where Jesus said again, You are the light of the world. Biblical scholar Leon Morris writes, Again, we have an uh, emphatic you, as words are introduced that apply not to people at large, but to those committed to Jesus. Amen? That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He was talking to a very specific group there. (coughs) Excuse me. This now brings us to the more accepted figurative application of the verse, where we understand that following the fall of mankind in Genesis 3, only those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ qualify to be the light of the world. With the Apostle Paul saying in Ephesians 5.8, For you were once darkness. Now notice, if he says you were once darkness, that's what you are, or you were, and the world is right now. That's why they can't shine. You know, they, you know how they have all those movies, and they're saying, well, light, there's no light there. There was a nice person, but there's no light there. You know, because they're darkness. Do you, know why? Do you understand that this is what happened when Adam and Eve fell? We were plunged into darkness. That's why we struggle. We were struggling so much. You know, before people get saved, they really struggle with this. They struggle doing the right thing. And it is hard for them. And they have a saying that applies to them. It shouldn't apply to you. No good deed goes unpunished. Do you know why? Because when you're in the devil's world, if you don't receive Jesus Christ as Lord, everything you do is opposing Him. So He's going to punish you for it. I have one thing to say to people that say that stuff. Stop being in the dark. Get in the light and every good deed will be rewarded. And you'll be protected along the way, by the way. Anyway. But no, no, we cannot. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It's amazing how people just reject good things. Like if it was something bad, man, you know, you'd understand that. Anyway. Uh, where was I? Gosh, I lost my spot. I was in where? Ephesians 5 8. Thank you very much. Further to this, I appreciate that. Further to this, he also goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 5 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. That's girls too, okay? Remember again, the reason it's saying sons is because the son lives in you. Yeah. Amen. That's why there was never meant to. That's why equality should have been the first thing that went when you know, uh, the church came along. It should have been the first thing. Do you know why we should have had? Did I say it right? We should have had equality from the moment the church was born, because the son came to live in males and females alike, and that's the reason why we are all called sons of God. People might have an issue with that, but that's you know the good news is the son lives in both. You don't get a lesser son because you're female. Amen. And so that should have been the moment in time where everything that was lost in the garden was reinstated. Even though people think something else in the garden. See, they always... Have you noticed... Can I just give you a little something? Have you all noticed everything that they base... You know, the, 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 this, this whole doctrine of man is head of the you know, woman and all that stuff... Comes after the fall. Have you noticed that? Do you know before the fall it was never spoken of? And he said, let them have dominion. After the fall, I'm having dominion. You, be under me. Hello? And all the oracles of God that came after that. You know the I will doesn't exist in the Hebrew. Do you all know that? This is why it just misled all of us. Where it says I will make you have this problem. And I will, you know. 
all the I wills in there. It sounds like God's going to do all this stuff. He never said that. He, you know, but all he was doing was saying, if you throw a ball up, it's coming down. I'm going to tell you how it's coming down. From now on, this is what's going to happen. But should have been easy, it's going to be hard. Because the devil is in this world now. The earth is cursed. Everything will become difficult. I made it so it was easy. Now you've invited him in. This is how it's going to be. And the person that's meant to support you, your husband, is going to rule over you. And he's going to want to rule over you. And have we not seen that? Amen. Especially in some of those other places other than Australia. It's very evident this, that, how that curse is working out. You know? But that wasn't what God wanted. So notice again, he says, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. That is an emphatic statement there. He's saying we are no longer a part of that. Amen? In his commentary, Leon Morris says that the very purpose of being a follower of Jesus is to give light. Giving light is not an option. And when people have received the light of the gospel, they too will shine in a dark world. I love that. What we do is we introduce them to the light. The light comes on the inside of them and they begin to shine. That's what lets them know that what we're preaching isn't a religion. It is reality. Because something real should happen in them. We're not preaching, you know, thou shalt and thou shalt not. We are preaching, have a relationship with God. Get reconnected. You lost something, you need it back. In fact, without this, you are going to be trampled underfoot. Amen. As much as we are to have the devil under our feet, the devil has the world under his feet. Are you all with me? Amen. Okay, that's why it's the power of darkness. All right. So, in short, we who were once darkness... But now light in the Lord have the privilege and opportunity to bring others to the light and watch them shine just like we do. From a purely figurative standpoint, sorry, biblical scholar William Hendrickson says that light in scripture symbolizes the best there is in learning, love, and laughter. As contrasted with darkness, that is the worst there is in dullness, depravity, and despair. You know that first word? You think most Christians fall in that category. Everybody says, oh, you're a Christian, you're dull. It shouldn't be said of us. Amen? Amen. In other words, as Christians, I, should pre- I could preach on that, but I, I won't. I'm resisting. In other words, as Christians, we should not only be bearers of God's good news, but also be the happiest, wisest, and the most loving people in the world. And why Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5.14, the next verse, he says, says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Hallelujah. That's one of my favorite verses, if you haven't noticed. Okay? (laughs) Because, you know, I I always think, listen, man, we we are just little lights shining for, you know, just whatever's around us. The first thing he talks about, says about us, is that we are city. Cities that are set on hills. Can I say that in plural because there's so many here? Okay. We are a city set on a hill. A city gives light to people that are in darkness. See, one of the things that... The, the, can I, let me give you a little something here. The reason that he talks about it in this way is what would happen... You know, back then they didn't have street lights. You all know that, right? Okay. So a city that would be set on a hill, which is a high exalted position, a high position, would give light and allow people... It, it act like a... Um, 
a beacon, I'm thinking of a lighthouse. It would act like a lighthouse to ships out in the ocean. They would have somewhere to head for. Okay, In the darkness and in the storm, you can't see where, where the land is. And that light would be the, the guiding factor in how they get back to shore. That is what, that's what Jesus is saying here in a way that we can... Because not all of us are in the ocean. Okay, he's using that. I believe he's using that same kind of example to say that we are meant to be a light in a dark world and a way that people can find their way back to the light. Amen. And know which direction to go in. And in that sense, we are meant to be that light. And can I say this, Emily? Even though people may outwardly oppose you for some of the narrow-minded, in quotes, because of people that listen to this can't see, you know, things that we hold to. At the end of the day, it is the thing that gives them a security that there is someone out there that believes in certain things that they know are right, but are opposing because their lifestyle wants to go somewhere else. I'm just saying it all out, okay? It's never because they don't know it's wrong. It's because they want to do something else. And they want to be justified doing it. And they want to feel good doing it. And you know what? No matter how much they oppose you, they still won't feel good doing it. Because there's this little thing called the Holy Spirit. He's everywhere. And he'll keep letting them know, you all know this is not right. Hmm? Not that he speaks in a southern accent. Okay, but you know, it just never stops. That's why, <laughs> that's why don't underestimate when he asks you to do something. He's already been working on them. And also don't go and do anything without his permission. Amen. Remember, we're looking in John. There are some people we do need to stay away from. Because they have given themselves over to something. Are you all with me? But not everybody's like that. You know, there's a handful of people like that. Not everybody, okay? So we need to look at everybody else and try and get them out as quickly as possible. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to have to stop, I think. I've run out of time here. Let me just read the last quote on page 11. And we'll, we'll stop and have a break. Once again, we have biblical scholar William Hendrickson commenting on this verse and saying, The followers of Christ must be both visible and radiant. They must be in the light and must also send out rays of light. I like that. Amen? Amen. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll continue on page 12.